much for that. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1 this morning as we begin looking at the narrative of the Christmas story together. We'll begin almost at the beginning of Luke chapter 1 this morning. We're going to begin by seeing one of the parallel accounts that goes with the birth and the announcement and the birth of Jesus, the early years of Jesus' life, and that is the announcement in the early years and birth of his cousin, John the Baptist. We're going to look at that together this morning. So we'll begin in Luke chapter 1. I'll begin reading for us in verse 5 this morning. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. As we look here, Luke begins by laying out, and he gives us a lot of history here. There's a lot, of, a lot here that we're not necessarily going to spend a lot of time looking at this morning. But we see a lot of the setting as he talks about who was king in this day and time, King Herod. And that tells us where they were about the turn of the century and some of those things, but really for our purposes this morning, these few verses introduce to us two people that are going to be some of the, if you will, co-stars uh, of the story that we're seeing today. We see a priest named Zechariah and his wife named Elizabeth. There are a couple of things that are very specific that we see about them that are important for us to note this morning. One thing is that Luke points out very specifically in verse 6 what type of people they were. Not just that Zechariah was a priest, but that they were both righteous before God, which is a very bold and strong statement, and that they walked blamelessly in all the, command, in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. So these are two people, a husband and wife, who love the Lord dearly, who serve the Lord both vocationally. Zechariah has given his life as a priest serving in the temple, but also in their personal life, the way they walk, the things that they do, their, their thoughts, the way that they've raised, uh, or not that they've raised children because they don't have children, but the way that they've influenced their family and friends and people around them, people that are very dedicated to the Lord. And then in verse 7, I think it very interesting that it begins with this conjunction. It says, but. But they had no child. I see in this a very important thing that, that Luke puts together these two thoughts. The fact that these people were righteous. The fact that Zachariah and Elizabeth did love the Lord. The fact that Zachariah and Elizabeth served the Lord. That they did the things that God had called them to do. And still, or but, even though they lived that way, they had no child. Now this isn't a young couple that just hasn't had a child yet. This is a woman that has no child because she is barren, is what verse 7 tells us. This is a woman and a man that have wanted to have children, as the text points to, but that haven't and that are very old, that are advanced in years and still have no children. It's very much a side point to the text that we're seeing today, but I know for some of you this morning as you hear this, that this is something that is very pertinent and very specific to you, this teaching, and I don't want to skip over it this morning for time's sake, the idea that, that they didn't have children, that they had never been able to have children. 
that Elizabeth had been barren, even though they wanted children, they weren't able to have children, and it's not because they were bad people. And it's not because they didn't love the Lord. And it's not because God was disciplining them because they hadn't done the right things or said the right things or gone to the right church. They were, she was barren and they were without child because God was in control of this process and he had something else in mind. We see here and we see other places in Scripture, people that are very devoted to the Lord, that love the Lord, that serve the Lord greatly, who he is not blessed with children. And I just want you to know this morning, because I know for some of you this morning this is very personal. There's some of you this morning that have been where Elizabeth was. If you read on toward the end of chapter 1, we see that, that Elizabeth felt shame around other people because of the fact that she had never been able to have a child. I'm going to reference in a little bit an Old Testament story, Hannah. Hannah, who it says, was sometimes provoked by somebody else whenever she couldn't have a child and was provoked and got so upset that she would just weep and wouldn't even eat because she had not had a child. But what I want you to know this morning is if you wish for a child and have prayed for a child and have still not been able to have a child I don't want you to think this morning because you may have heard this somewhere else but I want you to hear from the scriptures this truth that it's not because you're a bad person it's not because God doesn't care for you it's not because God doesn't love you it's not because he is disciplining you because you haven't done the right thing it's because he has a plan and no, we don't understand that plan, and there are a lot of times in life that his plan doesn't line up with what we think his plan should be, and sometimes it's hard for us to accept that plan, but I want you to know this morning, I want you to hear this fact that Elizabeth was righteous before God. She walked blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, and she was an old woman, and she had still never had a child. We'll see in just a minute that, in a minute, that they had prayed for children. And had had no child. It's not this morning because God doesn't love you. It's not because God doesn't hear you. And it's not because you aren't the person that God's called you to be. I can't tell you exactly why it is. And I know that's what might, might would seem more comforting this morning. If I could tell you in every situation why it is that you haven't been able to have children. But I tell you this morning. And I just pray and hope that you can trust in this. That if you haven't. God has heard your prayers, and he has a different plan, and his plan is perfect, and we have to trust in his plan. And one day, I trust that as Elizabeth and Zechariah will soon see, that we'll understand the glory of his plan and how much better it was than the plan that we would have had for ourselves. But the text does continue here, and I want you to look with me in verse 8. As we continue to see this narrative, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, verse 8 says, now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Now, when you hear this, that sounds... Uh, it sounds like it's pretty neat. Zachariah's chosen like they do, and he goes in, and he's burning incense, and there's an angel here. But there's a part to this that if you don't know much about this, this history and the way that the priests worked, that can be missed. And I wanted to, to share it with you this morning. So it says here that he was chosen by lots. 
says in verse 9, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. And what does it mean to be chosen by lot? If you know very much about the, the biblical times, chosen by lot was basically chosen by something of the sort of rolling dice or the flip of a coin or something that would seem like it was completely coincidence, completely random. And now this is something that didn't happen all of the time. A priest would only be chosen... A priest of Zechariah's stature would only be chosen for this job, to go in and burn the incense once or maybe twice in their entire life. And the fact that the lots fell for Zechariah to burn the incense on this specific day, that he was going to hear this news from this angel just before the time that Jesus' birth was going to be announced and Jesus was going to come, was no coincidence, brothers and sisters. So what we see here that seems like it's just another coincidence is no coincidence at all. This is God working out something very specifically. And it was that Zechariah would hear on this day this message. Look in verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will, re will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him and the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. As we hear this, this is exciting, right? This has to be exciting for Zechariah. He's here, and there's an angel standing before him, and the angel says, Listen, old man, listen, old man Zechariah, God has heard your prayer, and your wife is going to have a child. And I can't imagine what that sounds like to Zechariah as he's there and he hears this. And then it goes even further than that. That would be exciting enough for Zechariah. But then you have to think, a priest, a man that has devoted his entire life to God, to serving God, to helping other people come to be forgiven of their sins as they did in the Old Testament times, as he would have performed these sacrifices and done these things for people time and time again, for him to hear that, Zechariah, not only are you going to have a son, but your son is going to be special. Your son is going to be filled with the Spirit of God even from the time that he's in his mother's womb. And your son is going to come and he is going to turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord. Those that have strayed, those that are doing things that they shouldn't. Your son, John, is going to come and he's going to turn them back. And he's going to turn the hearts of fathers that have turned away from their children and strayed from their families. He's going to turn their hearts back to their children and back to their families. And he's going to do all of these things. And then he sums up all of it by saying this in verse 17. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. That is the summation of what his son is going to do. Your son is going to make the people ready for the Lord that's coming. Point one this morning is this. John was chosen before birth to be a forerunner of Jesus. John was chosen before he was ever born to be a forerunner of Jesus. And we see that here. We see this angel's message. This is before John's born. This is just announcing his birth. And he tells him what he's going to do and why he's going to do it. 
And we also see it in the name. You see, this name was, would have been very odd because it wasn't a family name for them. When you read through the narrative, you see that. And it would have been so strange if you had only one son to name that son something that wasn't a family name, not after you, not after some other male, but John, a name completely foreign from their family. But this is what the name means. The name means the Lord has been gracious. That's what the name John means. The Lord has been gracious. Gracious And yes, gracious to Zechariah and Elizabeth, who even in his old age was still praying, God, would you allow us to have a child? God, would you please bless us with a child? And God graciously heard his prayer and says, God, the angel says, God has heard your prayer and your wife is going to have a child. Yes, God was gracious to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but whenever you read and hear all that we just read, you understand that John wasn't a, just a gracious gift to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but John was a gracious gift to all of the people of Israel because he was going to go through and he was going to preach the truth of the coming Messiah. John was going to be the forerunner, literally somebody that goes before somebody else and says, listen, somebody's coming and you need to be ready when he gets here. John was going to go and help people understand the Messiah that you've been talking about for thousands of years is coming and we need to get things straight. You need to do what you need to do before he gets here. John was a gracious gift to his parents, but John was a gracious gift to everybody that he was going to help turn to the way that they should have been living. And that's what John was going to do. That's what he was here for. Everything in this text makes us understand that. Verse 17 starts with, And he will go before him. Who is him? In verse 16 it says, The Lord their God. God is coming John is going before him. And I don't want you to miss that part because what that tells us is that John wasn't the star. Right? In this text, if we read just this text right here, it can really seem like John's the star. Right? You've got two parents that are old and never had kids and they want to have kids and they, they find out they're going to have a son. That son is very precious to them. This angel has come. This doesn't happen all of the time. We see that John was scared whenever, he, I mean, Zechariah was scared when he saw the angel. Doesn't happen all the time. The angel has come just to announce the birth of John. John can really seem like the star in this text, but John's not the star. Because think about this, if there is no Jesus, if there is no Messiah coming, then how special is John? He's special to his parents, but how special is he to everybody else? Because he has no message. He's not preparing anybody. He's not getting anybody ready. He's not doing anything of the nature that he was able to do because his entire identity was tied up in this fact. He was the forerunner. He was the announcer. He was the messenger that got everybody ready for the Messiah that was coming. So John's not the star. Zechariah's not the star. Elizabeth isn't the star. The angel isn't the star. Jesus is the star of the story. John just gets to be the one that tells everybody about the Jesus that's coming. But everything about John, everything that made him special was tied up in the person of Jesus Christ. If there is no Jesus, then John doesn't have all of these things about him that make him so amazing. Now, something that is perplexing to me 
and it seems even more perplexing that I'm going to share it with you, that I'm going to give you something in the sermon that I can't fully explain to you, but I'm going to anyways, is this idea. What was John's main job? Why was John given to make a people that were ready for the Lord, right? That's very clear. That's laid out right here. But why was John also given? Because God heard the prayer of Zechariah. And now you ask me, this is kind of one of those questions, what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of deal? Listen, did God decide that he was going to give John to Zechariah and then decide that he was going to make him the forerunner of Christ? Or did God decide that there was going to be a forerunner of Christ and then whenever he heard Zechariah's prayer, decide that he would give this man the, the, the wonderful opportunity to be the forerunner? I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this, two things happened. God sent a forerunner, and God answered Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer. And so one thing that I hope that that would urge us to do this morning would to be continually fervent in prayer. Because Zechariah, I imagine, had been praying for this child for a long time. But he hadn't said, you know what, I'm too old now, I might as well give up on that prayer. He continued to pray, and what did God do? God faithfully answered that prayer. Brothers and sisters, don't quit praying. For things that are desires of your heart. But even more important for us to see here. Is the identity of John the Baptist. Who was he? He was somebody that was coming to tell folks about Christ. And why is that important? Because it tells us about ourselves this morning. As we, as we try and take this narrative. And we try to take this story. And we try to apply it to our lives. I ask you this question today. How do you see yourself in your story? How do you see your life? You may say, listen, I'm not as special as John the Baptist. I'm one of eight kids. It wasn't something that my parents had prayed for for a long time. I was an accident. They didn't even expect me. They didn't even want me. Some of you may feel that way sometimes. That's not true. Every one of us is special. Every one of us was made for a specific purpose. And this morning, we're reminded of what that purpose is. That purpose is to be a blessing to our parents. That purpose is to be a blessing to those around us. But chiefly above everything else, that purpose for which God created us was to be forerunners of the Messiah that is to come. Because John went and said, listen, in just a little bit, the Messiah is coming. And brothers and sisters, it might be just a little bit before the Messiah comes again. The people that you run into tomorrow that don't know Jesus Christ might very well meet him the very next day. We don't know when he's coming back. The scripture is clear about that. None of us know when he's coming back. But we all need to be making people prepared for when he comes back. Because when he comes again, judgment's coming with him. When he comes again, he's ushering in eternity. When people see him again... They have to have already been made ready, and that's our job. That's our calling. You're not supposed to be the star of the show. Your life isn't about you. Your life is about telling people about the real star, and that's Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Easter, because Jesus died to offer forgiveness of sins, and that's why we're special, is because we've been given the opportunity to share his message. I'm not special. If it's, I'm just like John. If I don't have his Holy Spirit, I don't have the power to do the things that I need to do. If I don't have his message, then I don't have anything special to give people. 
If I'm not preparing them for him, then I'm not preparing them for anything that they couldn't do without him. There's nothing special about me, and brothers and sisters, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but there's nothing special about you if it's not for Jesus Christ. We're just another sinner living out this life, bound for hell, not helping anybody in any eternal way. But with Christ, we are forgiven, adopted children of Almighty God that have the gospel message, the good news of how people can be ready so that when Christ returns, they will get to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. And that makes us something special. Point two, the last point this morning. As God's people, we are also chosen to be forerunners of Christ. As God's people, this is for those of us that have faith in Jesus Christ, those of us that have given our life to him that are Christians, as God's people, we are also chosen to be forerunners of Christ. Now I did want to show you this because I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of you can identify with this. In verse 18 in this text, Zechariah answers the angel, right? He hears this message and it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And I'm going to give that to you in my translation of what he's saying. He's saying, Angel, are you serious? Because I think you might have the wrong person. Right, you're coming here to tell me that I'm about to have a son, but do you know how old I am? You know how old my wife is, and I don't think any of you should ever say that to anybody. But Zachariah said, do you know how old my wife is? And you're telling me that she's going to have a child. My wife is barren, angel. You've got the wrong one. But in verse 19, the angel says, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And now this morning, I know that a lot of you probably feel like Zachariah. I tell you, this is your calling. You are meant to be a bold forerunner of Christ, turning people, turning fathers' hearts back to their families and children and helping people that have strayed to come back and helping people that are sinners to see that they're lost and how they can be saved. And you say, Brother Zach, you've got the wrong person. Do you know how old I am? And I've never done that before. Or do you know how young I am? Nobody's going to listen to me. Or do you know the things that I've done in my past? Nobody's going to care what I have to say. Every one of us has some sort of excuse. And for some of you, that starts bubbling up when I tell you God has chosen you to do something special. You say, I'm not special. But this was all talking about a man who hadn't even been born yet. God didn't choose John because he was special. God chose John and made him special. God didn't choose you because you're special. God didn't choose me to be a pastor because I'm special. God chose us, and then through his power, he makes us special. Because of his message, he makes us special. John was special because of Christ, and we're special because of Christ. No, Gabriel said, I stand before God, and he sent me to tell this to you. And I'm here to tell you this morning that I read the word of God, and I've come here this morning to tell you that I'm talking to you. This message is for you. You were meant to be a forerunner of Christ. You were meant to tell the gospel message. You were meant to turn hearts of people back to those that they should love. You were meant to tell sinners that they're lost but they can be saved. You and I, every one of us, this is meant for us. 
Now this morning I said that I wanted to share with you a little bit about the story of Hannah. It's from, I've been reading my personal time from 1 Samuel, and, and in 1 Samuel there's a woman named Hannah. And Hannah also loves the Lord, and she serves the Lord, and Hannah is also without child. And one day Hannah prays, and she says, Lord, if you will give me a child, I will give him back to you. If you allow me to have a child, I will give that child back to you. And God faithfully answered her prayer, and Hannah faithfully did what she said she was going to. She took that child, and she gave him back to the Lord. And why did I share that with you this morning? Because this morning, I want us to realize, those of us that are parents, and those of us that are grandparents, that not only are we called to be bold forerunners of Christ, but that's also the identity that we should see for our children. That's how we should be raising and training our children, not to be the greatest star, not to be the one that steals the show, not to be the one that everybody wants to see, but we should be training them to tell people about the one that everybody needs to see. We should be raising our children, as we see in the Great Commission, that when we make disciples of all nations, when we baptize them, that we then do what? We teach them. All that God has commanded us. And this is part of what God has commanded us. And we need to be teaching and raising our children from a young age to understand that you. Teaching and raising our grandchildren to understand that you have been chosen and specifically called to be a forerunner of Christ. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not in how well you play ball. It's not in how well you play an instrument. It's not in how pretty you are. It's in the fact that Jesus Christ died for you and wants you to take that message to share with the lost world. We need to understand that for ourselves and we need to understand that for our little ones as well. Brothers and sisters, this is who we are fundamentally. We are forerunners of Christ. And I pray today that we understand that. This morning, I want us to have a time to be able to respond to whatever the Lord has spoken to you this morning. I trust that when we hear His Word, that He speaks to all of us, that He challenges us, that He boldly calls us to do things, that He urges us and pushes us. This morning, I don't know exactly what He's calling you to do. I don't know what He's speaking to you about, but I trust that He's speaking to you about something. And if it's something that you have questions about, please come and ask me. Let's find a time. Again, I always say this, but if it's something you can't ask me right now, you don't think I'll have time to answer it, come and ask me, and we'll set up a time that, you, that I can answer it. I'll come and meet you somewhere. You can come to the office. We'll find a time that I can answer your questions. I would love to be able to do that. If it's something that he's called you to share, to make public, come and do that. This would be a wonderful time for you to do that. If you just need to come and you want to pray at these altars, or if you just want to stop and pray where you are, I pray that you would respond to the, the word of the Lord that way. But I want to invite you to stand. And this morning, if you are seeking and having questions about salvation or something else, come and let me answer those. If you need to pray, pray. If you want to sing out of joy in response to the Lord, then sing out of joy in response to the Lord. But just do this. Whatever he's calling you to do, respond in kind to his calling. As Brother Shane leads us in the hymn of invitation.